1: Science story,
0: huh? Is NYU scientist? And I it's felt it. Right. So and I just happy. thought, well, wow. I it, out. I feel
1: it so was that tall. golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hi, everyone. I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. This week's story is from Kathleen Raven as part of Human Enhancement, a collaboration with the New York Hall of Science to produce stories related to the Human Plus exhibit on how technology is changing who we are. The story was recorded in April 2014 at IBEAM in New York City.
0: A group of uh, nurses and doctors are gathered in a hospital room. It's the early 1980s, some rain is falling outside, and there's a woman laboring in the bed. Suddenly, the baby pops out two months earlier than it should, and you hear a scramble of uh, metal instruments clattering together, furniture moving to make way, and then silence. In the back of the room, someone says, Mary, the baby's not going to make it. I heard this in an audio recording that my father decided I should listen to when I was 14 or 15. This is an audio recording of your birth, he said. Back in the delivery room, my skin was a nice color of dark denim blue jeans. Several seconds had passed, and still I had not taken a breath. The neonatologist On staff at at the time, without thinking, grabbed two sharpened oxygen tubes and just jammed them through my skin, straight into my lungs. No surgery. Out flowed the water, and into my body flowed oxygen, and I began crying. I also lost three pounds, going from six to three pounds. So when the neonatologist left the room, he said to the nurse, give her a high dose of gentamicin. Gentamicin is an antibiotic that does a terrific job of fighting off infections. I'm here before you, but it came with a price. I'm five years old, sitting in front of a television screen about this far away at my neighbor's house. She's watching after me and she calls to get my attention, Kate, my nickname at the time. I don't turn around, so she calls again, Kate. Nothing. Kate, and she claps this time, and I whirl around. Have you had Kate's hearing checked? She asked my parents when they came to pick me up that afternoon. They had, but now it was time to go to a professional. I made my first visit to the audiologist at age five. I'll never forget walking into that soundproof box. It must be like being inside of the Mars rover, when it's sealed up into the spaceship, everything closes and you hear a vacuum. And then there's silence. Over and over in my mind, I told myself, you do not have a hearing loss. You do not have a hearing loss. My audiologist went and got behind her microphone and she said, just repeat these phrases after me, okay? You will say back. Back. You will say far. Fall. You will say rush. Rust. You will say which. Switch. We walked out of the soundproof room, and she walked over to my parents, Mary, Ed. Kate has a high and low frequency sensoroneuro. Hearing loss in both ears. Okay, so maybe I had a hearing loss, but nobody would know about it. A few weeks later, I'm fitted with my first pair, and they're hanging behind my ears like giant shoeboxes. I walk into the classroom, and you can see that the kids are looking out of the corner of their eye. What's that thing behind your ear? Oh, you can't hear? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Of course I can hear you. You're standing right in front of me, and I'm wearing them. People ask me, uh, what can you hear? But it's the wrong question. It's what can't I hear. I can't hear the faucet leaking in the kitchen, the steady drop, drop. I can't hear the siren of the ambulance as it comes down the road. I don't hear the fire alarm in the school drills. I don't hear the crushing chorus of cicadas on a southern night. Hearing aid technology leapfrogs every four to five years. And so, in the fifth grade, I got my next pair. The hearing aid is, is made up of um, three parts, the microphone, the amplifier, and the speaker that goes into the inner ear up through the brain. When I walked into the lunchroom, my amplifier should have been made illegal. It was akin to walking into a mosh pit at a Nine Inch Nails concert. All of the voices amplifying, echoing off. And so my solution was to take out my hearing aids and drop them into my coat pockets. And keep in mind that each unit costs $2,000. Around the same time, the gym teacher liked to play a game called the whispering game to calm us down after gym class. The teacher would give a message to the student at the end of the line and it would work its way up to me, whereupon I would hijack the message and remove the verb, mix the wording up, so pepperoni is my favorite pizza would become Peppy Pony's foot. High school, I got my first completely in the ear hearing aid. No longer I had to carefully curl my hair around my ear. This particular hearing aid, the amplifier, actually worked very well. For the first time in my life, I began to listen to music. Before then, I would never heard the words and the music uh, instruments all blended together. It was useless. If you articulated, I did not discriminate. At that same time, CDs were still valuable. My car got broken into, and I'm sure the burglar was thoroughly confused. Tupac, Outkast, P. Diddy, Doris Day, The Sound of Music, Harry Connick Jr. I loved discovering music for the first time. Also, when I got these new hearing aids, I discovered a passion that I would follow to New York. I became a writer at an internship at our local newspaper. So, my job was to hear what people were saying, write it down in my stories. I was on the top of the world, but I couldn't hear everything. When the language became technical, I often had to ask them to repeat, and quite frankly, I wouldn't even ask them to repeat it, for fear of sounding stupid. College, that hard time. I had new hearing aids, but the amplifier still didn't do anything with the background noise. And so when friends would come to my dorm room late at night, come on out with us, we're going to the bar, I would find excuses. I didn't want to sit there nodding at questions. I didn't know what were asked all night. And then I fast forward to 2007. Um, keep in mind that each year I'm getting new hearing aids. I'm settled down in the audiologist's office, the same audiologist I've had since age five. She presents me with a new pair of hearing aids. And this time, they're behind the ear again. But they're so their profile is so slim that I let it go. I sit down preparing to... Hear the normal incremental increase in sound. And I put them in. And then... What's that noise? I asked her. Do you hear it? I can hear my lips smacking together. It was the first time I had heard that noise in my entire life. She put on some Beethoven. Where did that violin come from? All of these noises were coming up out of the woodwork. I walked past people on the sidewalks and heard snippets of conversation and practically giggled with ghee. I had never heard that before. Around that same time, I met my husband. Instead of staying home and not going out at night, I began to go out, listen in on the jokes. I could actually hear the punchlines. Hey, you're pretty funny, Oregon told me, and I took that to mean I wasn't funny. I was just merely keeping up now. In 2012, we purchased the hearing aids that I'm wearing now, $35,000 a piece. Insurance doesn't cover any of that, BTW. (laughs) (laughs) We're taking a road trip. My window is down on the passenger side. Aryan starts talking to me and so I go to roll up the window. There's no way I can hear him if the wind noise is coming over from this side. But then all of the sudden this hearing aid dampens the noise, zeroes in on what he's saying, and I can hear him talking even though there's sixty five mile an hour wind going by my right ear. It was a miracle. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in my office in New York with my colleagues. We we're talking about the upcoming stories: niratinib, palciclib, CDK46, antigen receptors, all of these words that even five years ago, there's no way I could have heard in a regular conversation. But I keep up and we're asking questions and we're going around the table. What are you doing this weekend? I'm telling a story, I said. What's your story going to be about? And then, as it has always been my entire life, I have a knee-jerk reaction. I will not let them know that I have a hearing loss. But it's okay now. They're totally unsuspecting. I'm going to tell a story about my hearing loss, I say. All the eyes pop open. Hearing aids have allowed me to live a life, and they also, because of the technology leapfrogging and improving so dramatically, have given me confidence to say that I am Kathleen. I have a hearing loss. I am human-less.
1: That was Kathleen Raven. Kathleen is a reporter for BioFarm Insight. She recently completed two degrees at the University of Georgia, Conservation Ecology, and Health and Medical Journalism. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. Also, we depend on listeners like you for our support. If you love the podcast, please consider donating at slash donate. The Human Plus exhibit and much more is on display at the New York Hall of Science in Queens, New York nysci.org for more information. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Evelip. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to iBeam for hosting the show, to the New York Hall of Science for being wonderful partners, and to Food Delivery for magically creating time to finish this podcast. Thanks for listening.